Well, on tonight, I want to say God bless you all again on tonight. We're going to go to the word of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to take your Bibles out and find with me the book of Galatians chapter 5 on tonight. The book of Galatians chapter 5 on tonight. For those of you that are using your video portion, you can see the scriptures there on the screen. I'm sharing my screen tonight so you all can see the scriptures and the questions that will be asked on tonight. While you are looking for and finding Galatians chapter 5, I do encourage you all to continue on in the faith. I know this is unprecedented, a place we all have never been before. Let me encourage you to walk by faith in this season. I know the, 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 the temptation and I know the, the uh, easiness it is to walk by fear and to walk by what you hear on the media and see. But, but we're cut from a different piece of cloth. We are God's people and we should walk by faith. Now, that doesn't mean you check common sense in at the door, but there is a balance of faith and facts as a balance of faith and wisdom. But in this season, uh, we are torn between two major extremes in our country. Should we stay home for the sake of our health or do we get back to work for the sake of our wealth? Uh, do we uh, stay home and honor uh, the, 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 the dictates and the laws of man or do we walk by faith and show the world what a true example is about? We teach our children. We believe, my wife and I, we walk by faith, not just in our talk. But, but you know, even at the age of 50 plus, we're still in moments and seasons where we are literally walking by faith. And so tonight I want to talk about standing in the freedom of your faith. Standing in the freedom of your faith. I want to give a quick minute to uh, appreciate my wife. Who's, she's here with me tonight, Pastor Sharon. What a phenomenal word from the Lord she gave us on this past uh, Sunday for Mother's Day. Happy belated Mother's Day for those that are on the call tonight. And then I also want to thank you all to Alvin Hall for uh, ministering on this past Thursday uh, online. Uh, as we go to the word of the Lord, I am praying and I ask that you all be in prayer with me as we seek the Lord for wisdom and divine revelation. I heard Bishop Ivy here say many years ago, when you get a word from heaven, man's counsel is no longer needed. When you get a direct word from heaven, man's counsel is no longer needed. And one of the things that I'm seeking the Lord for in this season is a divine revelation, something that only God can give. You can't concur with man. You can't get it off the media. You can't read it on the internet. You got to know that you know that you know that God uses the Holy Spirit to speak concerning his will. Uh, we're praying about reopening the church by the end of this month, whether it be Pentecost Sunday, May the 29th, I believe that is, or I believe it's May the 31st, or the first Sunday in June, somewhere between the last Sunday in May, Pentecost Sunday, or perhaps the first Sunday in June, we are looking and praying about resuming our services on Sunday morning in the sanctuary. Again, we have to walk by faith here. We wanna be part of that first wave of believers that say we have overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. Father, tonight as we go to the word, thank you Lord for opening our hearts, our minds that we would receive the word for our lives. We thank you tonight, God for encouraging and strengthening every man and woman tonight. In fact, may you encourage us that we in turn would be an encouragement. May tonight we have hope that in turn we could be the hope. Thank you for blessing and thank you for revival. We believe with our whole hearts tonight that revival is not only the saved from those that were lost, but is the seriousness of those that are saved. God, would you bless tonight in Jesus' name, amen. 
and amen. The book of Galatians chapter five and verse one, the book of Galatians chapter five and verse one, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not, and do not, listen again, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Paul writes verse two, I, Paul, indeed, I say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. If you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. I'm actually reading the book of Acts right now, and I'm in that eighth, ninth chapter, but I've been so blessed these past few weeks in the book of Acts, particularly with the profile of some very significant leaders. Of course, Luke writes the book of Acts. The book of Acts is virtually Luke part two, if you will. Um, so you see a lot about Luke's understanding, Luke's revelation. And of course, you look at the, 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 the patristic period, the period of the first fathers. And of course, you see Peter, you see those that were in the upper room. Uh, but then you start looking at some of what I would call the B tier uh, leaders of that day and time, people like Philip, people like Stephen, people like uh, Barnabas, and then there's Silas, and then there's John Mark. Well, you know, this past week, I got so encouraged reading about this character. I about fell out of my chair and I was talking to a young man who was uh, headed actually out of the country to play baseball. And I wanted to bless him and encourage him. And I found myself encouraging him about the, 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 the preacher, the evangelist by the name of Stephen. Uh, I'll close out with that testimony in a moment. But before then, Paul writes, and, and I, I want to share this out of Galatians 1, because basically this is where we see Paul in Acts chapter 9. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. When you and I think about being entangled with the yoke of bondage, I think we think immediately about sin, about unrighteousness, about iniquity, about transgressions. But that wasn't really Luke, or excuse me, that wasn't really Paul's uh, full uh, definition or understanding of being entangled. Paul's argument was now that you're saved, do, do not slip back into the yoke of rules, regulations, and man's expectations. Paul was convinced that it's not so much the quote-unquote big or little sins that entangle a person in the church. It's the unnecessary rules, the unnecessary regulations, and some of the man-made laws that we'd like to slap on each other, whether it's no pants and no makeup, or men must wear a black suit with a black tie, or maybe you couldn't go to the ball game, or maybe you couldn't watch a movie, or maybe you couldn't do this on Fridays or do this on Thursdays. But Paul was concerned about the religiousness. He was concerned about the traditions. He was concerned about the rudiments that kept young Christians from being free in their faith. In fact, you have to understand tonight that if we enslave ourselves with rules, laws, regulations, methods, special conditions in order to stay saved, Paul says that your salvation is not genuine and your efforts in Christ will have been in vain. In fact, he goes on to say, I, Paul, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, that Christ will profit you nothing. If you go back to the book of Acts, you remember there was a big debate and there was a big argument. Uh, should grown men who convert inwardly and spiritually, should they go back to a physical circumcision? Now, and that became a big debate in, I believe it's Acts 13, 14, and 15. That became a big debate because obviously most of those men didn't want to do that. But you had a group of ultra-religious, ultra, -religious, ultra 
pious, ultra, uh, holier than thou, who said, you know what? We want this to be according to the law. Paul's argument is, well, if you have to obey that law, you have to obey all the laws. And, you know, I don't want to go too deep into this tonight, but, you know, there are three sets of laws according to the Old Testament. And sometimes we confuse and intermingle those laws and we basically paint ourselves into a corner of confusion and darkness. There was the ceremonial laws, there was the civil laws, and then there was the moral laws. The moral laws would be more like the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not uh, bear false witness, thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy. Those were moral laws that are ageless. They are timeless. Those laws aren't going anywhere. Then there was what was called civic laws. There were just certain laws about what you do on a Sunday or on a Saturday or certain things you would do in certain environments or certain things that dealt with government and dealt with people. Then there was ceremonial laws. And that there, my friend, is where I believe we in 2020 often missed the boat. You know, we, we, we argue among ourselves, can we eat crab legs? Can we eat shellfish? Well, can a man's hair be but so long? What if he's bald? What if he has a cleft lip? What if he has a stubbed toe? I mean, there are certain things in the Leviticus laws that would have exempt anyone from serving the Lord. Say nothing for being in the temple. And I don't want to talk too much tonight about earrings and tattoos and those things, but those would have been considered a ceremonial law. So when Jesus comes in the New Testament, and he gives that new covenant, the moral law we keep, yes, civic law we keep, but then there were some ceremonial laws, regulations, uh, uh, man-enhanced uh, rules that I believe was done away with. Because the argument here, if you have to keep one part of that law, you have to keep all of the law. And so when you go back and read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and even John, when you read the Gospels of Jesus, how many times do you see the Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes coming to Jesus, trying to trip him up as it dealt with the law, trip him up as it dealt with some type of rule or regulation? And so tonight, we go back again to Galatians chapter 5, stand, and I want to talk just for a moment about standing. Elder Hall song, just a, a snippet of that song last Thursday and encouraged me so it's kind of been ringing in my spirit ever since. You know, if there's ever been a season to stand, now's that season. The world, and I said this months ago, and every time I cut the news on, I keep saying to myself, Lord, I think this is more prophetic than we thought originally. We're on the brink of a civil war. And I know that sounds so outrageous. But when you see our country divided, not just a racial division, which we see that, but now we're seeing a classism division. There are people who want to go to work. There are people who want to stay home. Well, the people who want to stay home have plenty of money to hold and wait, while those who want to go back to work need to somehow pay their daycare or pay their, their mortgage or their, or, or, or their, their rent payment. There's this, 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 there's this obviously continual battle, whether it's in the congressional chambers and halls of America or in our local communities. And it seems like we are going through a, a stress test of, 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 of our country. Now, compounding, we've got COVID-19. We've got 80,000 plus people 
uh, passed away. And they say that number could easily be 20, 30% less than what it should be. Then on the other side, you got people saying, no, people are using the fear factor to, to, to inflate numbers uh, to keep people glued to the TV set. So the people who are making the money are, is the media. Uh, so, so there's so many things that people are grappling with in the season. And you know what, my friends? Some of that is even in the church. We find ourselves arguing over things that really don't matter, okay? We argue over whether we could drink Pepsi or root beer or 7-Up and still be safe. We argue whether our skirt's too short, too long, too high. It's a slit long enough. We argue over painted nails or clear nails. We argue over ink. We argue over uh, certain clothing. We argue over uh, who can sing, who can be divorced. Can you get married again? Can you do you do this on a Sabbath day? Do you not do that on a Sabbath day? Well, is truly Sunday Sabbath or is it on a Saturday? I mean, we find all types of things to bind and to hinder ourselves. And this is where Paul comes on the scene. And he says, listen, if you find yourselves entangled again with bondage, the death and the resurrection of Christ will have been in vain. Some of us tonight, we're arguing in wars and rules in our own conscience. It's not necessarily a man-made law. It's not necessarily the expectations of others. It's certainly not found in the Bible but you have slavened or enslaved and bound yourself with condemned condemnation, with guilt and with shame and with ignorance. And we find ourselves continually, and notice the word yoke. We find ourselves yoked again in bondage. The word yoke comes from a wooden plank where you would put on the neck of two oxen, two cows, two horses, and that wooden plank would pull or keep the two animals together as they trial or plow out of land, right? Well, notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, all you who are weary, and let me give you some rest. Now, why would they be heavy laden and weary? He's talking to saints in the church who are so beat down because of the rules and laws of man. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, weary, and I'm gonna give you rest. I know you're tired. I know you're burdened. I know you're going through a lot of confusion because of man-made church laws. But listen, why don't you take my yoke? The word yoke is not no longer the wooden plank. Well, why don't you take my teaching? See, my teaching, Jesus says, will give you life. My yoke is easy and my teachings is light. My yoke is easy and my burdens are light. You got people in the church right now arguing and fussing. You got the, 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 the Trinitarians arguing with the apostolic folk. You got people in the black church arguing against folk in the multi-ethnic church, right? You got people who are Seventh-day Adventists and Sabbath worshipers, and they argue with people. And, you know, it's, just, it's, a, it's a mosaic mess because we're all over the place. And you know who gets the short end of the stick? Unbelievers. You know who gets the short end of the stick? New believers. Because they're watching you and I argue over some no-nonsense stuff. You're killing people for listening to ungodly music, but yet you're watching four or five hours of Netflix and nudity on TV. You got people arguing against those and binding those, but yet you go going to concerts. I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on and on and on. And so we're bound. We're confused. <clears throat> the Bible uses the word entangled. Don't get entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I want to give you three things before I close. And I realize my time is almost up on tonight. I just remembered this ain't Sunday. This is Thursday night. So let me get back to the teaching on Thursday night. So, so tonight, um, 
The Bible reminds us in Daniel 7, 25. And if you're looking back at the screen, I'm sharing these scriptures tonight on the screen. Uh, the Bible says, and he shall speak great words against the Most High. And he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. That is the number one motive operandi of the enemy. He wants to wear you out. You know what I think about when I think about Daniel 5, 20, uh, 7, 25? I think about Peter. Where Jesus says, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith, that your faith would stand. And when you are strengthened, go back and encourage the brethren. First Peter 5 and 8, apparently that prayer must have worked because a few years later, Peter writes this passage of scripture, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Where did Peter get that from? Well, he knew of all people that the devil is here to kill, steal, and destroy. My dear friends tonight, uh, you could run from the devil, you could run from sin, you could run from the temptations and the flesh of the world, but if you are not careful, you will find yourselves entangled, entangled with the yoke of bad teaching. I don't have time to be worried about men with blue jeans on preaching in the pulpit. Man, if they're preaching the gospel, if the word is going forth, if souls getting saved, who am I to judge them? Oh, we got uh, uh, sanctuary. They dimming the lights and smoke screens and it's a concert. You know, the word, they, 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 they trying to entertain people. Uh, let me tell you something, my friend who knows not the dictionary. The word entertain means to captivate attention, to captivate one's complete attention. And I think it's too high long that the church get back into the business of captivating the attention of people. Unfortunately, these young people are going to multi-million dollar concerts, multi-million dollar videos, multi-million dollar venues and stadiums and the like, and then come to the church. And here, here mama is with no teeth in her mouth, blowing a harmonica and, and playing a, 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 a washing a, a washbowl and thumbing a one string guitar and hollering Jesus. And yet we want that to compete with the shows of Sunday morning. Yeah, um, pause, Salah, pause, wait a minute, think on these things. We get so bound by whether someone has uh, 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 twist in their hair, dreads in their hair, one earring, two earring, tattoo, and oh my God, looking so they driving a red car, and you know, so watch out for so and so. He got a green suit on, and 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 we entangle ourselves in things that really don't matter, and all the while the devil is laughing at us. All the while the church and young people are confused because we are majoring in the minors and minoring in the majors. Let me give you three things how to stand in your faith, in the freedom of your faith. Number one, you have to have a desire and you have to have a will to be in Christ. When I look back at Galatians 5 and 1, in fact, verse 5, 1, 2, 3, and 4, you see Christ's name, not one, not two, but three different times. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty which Christ has made you free. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Jesus rose from the dead for your sins. And if you're going to stand in the freedom of your faith, you have to at least have the want to. 
have the heart, have the desire to stand and be in Christ. Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which now I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Not my paycheck, not my degree from school, not my networking, certainly not a sorority, nor somebody's fraternity, or somebody's lodge, or somebody's uh, 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 group. Your freedom is in Christ Jesus. Your freedom is in the fact by faith that the Son of God who loved you, and he gave himself for you. Number two, have a covenant of daily quiet time, daily prayer, and daily Bible study. I don't need a show of hands tonight, but I'm almost certain that 95% of the people on this call tonight and 95% of the people that will watch this broadcast in the days, weeks to come will honestly admit I'm probably reading the Bible more in this season than I've ever read. I'm praying with patience and listening to the Lord probably more in this quarantine than ever before. I am I'm finding myself reading and studying the word of God now than no, more before. And for that, I say, God, thank you. Thank you that you love us so that you would draw us closer back to you. Thank you that you would put the whole world in time out, that we would realize those things that matter most. Notice Galatians chapter one, verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which I preach or was preached by me <clears throat> is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through a divine, hallelujah, revelation. You know, once again, for those who are just joining us, I'm reading the book of Acts in my personal Bible study time, and I'm at Acts chapter nine right now, where Paul basically gives his description, and he's beginning to tell others how he got saved. You know the story. He, he's, he's on the road as the chief Pharisee, persecuting Christians, locking them up, putting them in jail. God deals with him at the road of Damascus, knocks him off the horse, speaks to him. Uh, he sees Jesus. Jesus sees him. They have a conversation. Paul's blinded for three days. He goes into, uh, what was that Syria? He goes in, not Damascus. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it was Damascus. He goes, I think it was Damascus, and, 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 and uh, he meets Ananias, the prophet, and Everybody's trembling and scared, but God uses this prophet Ananias to, to minister to Paul, and, and, and Paul tells the story. But this, this, this encouraged me. Paul says, I want you to know one thing. I didn't go to nobody's divinity school, no one's seminary, nobody's Sunday school class. I didn't hang out with a bunch of preachers in Memphis, Tennessee. You know what? God spoke to me. God gave me a divine revelation. It wasn't Matthew. It wasn't Mark. It wasn't Luke. It wasn't James. It wasn't John. Jesus spoke to me on that road to Damascus, right? But not only that, instead of going back to Jerusalem, Paul makes it clear, I went into the backside of nowhere, of Arabia, for not one, two, but for three years. Remember, there's no godly council. There's no group of scholars. He goes to a place of isolation. Sometimes I wonder, this, during this quarantine and during this global pandemic, was it meant for us to really get some isolated time with the Lord? Why? Because this is where the divine and direct revelation comes from. I think that's a powerful thing to realize that God speaks to Paul, that God strengthens Paul. Friends, we'll be back, quote unquote, to the new normal soon. We'll be back into the hustle and bustle soon. The stadiums will be open. Planes will be flying everywhere. Life will kind of get back to where it was. But one thing that has to remain, and that is your quiet time, your daily quiet time, 
prayer and Bible study with the Lord. Last and finally, and I close. Number three, have a commitment to the house of God, the local church. Have a commitment to the house of God, the local church. Paul writes in Galatians 6, let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, we will reap if we don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have this opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I pray today, and I hope with all my heart, that you are just as eager to get back to church as I am. I hope, and I hope my heart's not broken to realize that there are people who could take the being together with the saints of God, being in a corporate setting, hearing the praise and worship, being in the energy and in the lively anointing and a Shekinah glory of God's presence in the sanctuary. You gotta have that commitment to the house of God, the local church, because it's only there I believe that we get our greatest encouragement. And I love being online and I love the convenience of streaming. And I thank God for YouTube Live and Facebook Live and all that we've done these past few weeks. But there's nothing quite like being in the house of God amongst the saints of God. I love that OB3 organ. I can't wait to hear the praise team sing. I can't wait to see the young people. Oh, I can't wait. And I know that right now we got to honor social distancing for a season or so. But I just can't wait to hug and love and, and all of the handshakes and all of the things that we as saints know to do to one another as we encourage and strengthen one another. Speaking of encouraging and strengthening one another, let me remind you of these last two scriptures. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Having put on the whole armor of God that you would be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. Here's what we wrestle against. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you would be able to stand and withstand in the evil day. And friends, having done all, stand. Having done all, stand. You know what? I thought about this testimony with Stephen, and I'm closing at this point. But I thought about this testimony with Stephen. You remember the Bible says that Stephen, in fact, um, what you may not realize is that Stephen was the martyr, the disciple that basically put the church to flight. In other words, everyone was kind of happy in Jerusalem, kind of minding their own business. Of course, there was some rumblings and some things happening, but it wasn't until Stephen was stoned to death that the Christian world expanded throughout the great dysphoria. People went in every direction because of the fear of the Jews, Pharisees, Sadducees, and the scribes. But I read something this past week that almost brought tears to my eyes. And when I was talking to that young baseball player who's headed to Mexico in a couple of weeks to play baseball, I reminded him of Acts chapter six, verse eight. The Bible says Stephen was full of faith and power. He did great wonders and signs among the people. In fact, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit in which he spoke. If you skip over to chapter seven, this, my friends, is where the real deal goes down. There were a group of ultra-religious Pharisees. Uh, I hate to admit this, but they were from Africa. Uh, the Bible says that they were from, uh, let's see where they were from. There were some men and they were called, uh, let's see here, I want to give this to you straight. They were called the synagogue of the freedmen. Cyrenians, Northern Africa, Alexandrians, 
northern Africa. And then you had some from Sicily, which would have been southern Italy, you know, the Sicilian mob. And then there would have been those from Asia. Man, you're talking about a powerful group of thugs and a powerful group of, of, of underdark, underworld uh, 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 cults. These guys would have been nothing short today of some of the dark groups you see in Asia, Africa, and maybe even Southern Italy. Well, they got together and they said, Stephen, we don't like it. We don't like the gospel you're preaching. And the Bible says they twisted and perverted the things that Stephen said to have him killed. Make a long story short, because they wanted to keep peace, they stoned him. But do you remember what happened while they were stoning Stephen? I'd like to remind you this and I'm gone. And I close and I'm finished. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7 that Stephen preached the greatest message that could have ever been preached. And he preached so hard that they began to gnash at him. They begin to want to bite him. They begin to resist him. And he said, you know what? You ain't nothing but just like your daddy your granddaddy, all y'all always resisted the Holy Ghost. From the prophets of Moses, Abraham, from the days throughout the Old Testament to Jesus to now, you always resist the Holy Spirit and you're doing it again tonight. So the Bible says they begin to stone him. I wanna read verse 57. And then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out to the city to stone him. And the witnesses laid down the clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down, cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with the sin. And when they had said this, he had fell asleep. Now, most of you all know that passage of scripture. What you may not realize is what happened recently before. The Bible says that these men gnashed out with their teeth, but he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Here's what he saw. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God, standing at the right hand of God. Now, uh, Elder Redmond tonight, Norman, and I know you're a big time Bible scholar, Thank you for being on our little Bible study with us young people tonight. But let me tell y'all all something tonight. I have read the Bible all these years. And everywhere I read the Bible, every passage I've ever read, I see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. All throughout the scriptures, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God for the first time. And probably the only time you will read in scripture, Jesus is no longer sitting at the right hand of God. In fact, where do we find him tonight? He's standing at the right hand of God. Pastor Stevens, can you hear him close out this message with something powerful? I sure will. You know, when Stephen stood for Jesus, Jesus in turn stood for Stephen. I have a great appreciation for the name Stephen after I read that this first part of the week. And friends, may I remind every one of you, when you stand for Jesus, Jesus will stand for you. I told that young baseball player, listen, I know you're heading out to Mexico and I'm praying for you and I know God's going to bless you. And I know that one day you're going to play um, professional major league baseball. But son, I want you to remember one thing. If you'll stand for Jesus, Jesus will stand for you. Jesus will often do his best work behind the scene. And what honor, in fact, oh, I wish you could see my Bible tonight. I wish you could see my notes tonight. But in my notes, 
here, here's where it's written. I know you can't read this, but it says, when you stand for Jesus, Jesus will stand for you. And then I wrote down, what an honor it must have been to know that Jesus stood up and applauded Stephen. Friends, during this COVID-19 global pandemic, during this quarantine stay-at-home order, as you are praying and seeking the Lord and as you're dealing with so many challenges, not only at home, but on the job and everywhere in between, I encourage you tonight, have a will and a desire to stand. Stand in the liberty of your faith and stand so for Jesus that he'll want to one day stand for you. May I pray for you? May we pray tonight. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, as we see Stephen, the Bible says he had a face as an angel. What a sight that must have been. And while he took a bold declaration and stand, something in his courage, something in his faith, something in his witness caused Jesus to stand from, from sitting on the side of you to standing up. What an honor that must have been to have known that even Jesus stood to applaud and to honor and to recognize the faith and the love of Stephen. Father, tonight I thank you that 2,000 years later, there are some young Stevens on this phone tonight, on the Zoom call. There'll be some young Stevens throughout the land watching this streaming broadcast. And tonight I thank you, God, that having done all, we will stand. Having done all, we will stand. And so tonight, God, may we stand boldly for you. May we stand in such a confused, such a hurtful, and such a broken world. People are fearful. People don't know what quite to say or what quite to do. God, my prayer tonight is that you find the saints faithfully standing in the name of Jesus. Father, I love you and honor you tonight. I thank you for every man, every woman, every boy and girl. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You know, tonight there was one last scripture that I could have given you and I did not, but I at least want to give it to you for your reading. And that's 2 Timothy 4, 17. Paul says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Tonight, God is standing with you and he wants to strengthen you. Do you hear me tonight? God is standing with you and he will strengthen you. I want to thank you for taking the time to be on this Bible study and this pastoral teaching tonight. Mm -hmm.